So Radical Strategies is concerned with different aspects of the future. We're trying to make sense of this world that we live in. For each week, we will generally deep dive into a particular area. But for this week and the weeks that follow, we're just going to be looking at the general subject of future to see maybe what the future of the future can possibly be. So to this end, we're talking to different experts who specialize in understanding where things are possibly going to go by trying to see what insights we can take from the present. And um, yeah, Monica is someone that's been tremendously inspirational to me and has challenged some of the, the views that I've had, maybe blind spots of unconscious thought patterns that I've had that I maybe never questioned. And it's been, yeah, real inspiration to me over the, the past uh, few years since, since we've known each other. Thank you. Well, it's so lovely to be with you, Rod, virtually. I miss you and the Pacific Coast and, mm. and Los Angeles. Um, so hopefully back soon. So yeah, I'm futurist, futurist researcher, and futurist designer. Uh, for almost a decade, nine years right now, I've been living also as a full-time digital nomad. Um, not what kind of you read in New York Times, but really, really exploring the world mm. on the ground, um, over 90 countries and counting, and not just going to places for a few days and staying in a fancy hotel, but, but really you know, living and immersing myself and working in, in, in so many different parts of the world and so many different settings. And that's really the foundation of my work is to, to go out and put my body into the spaces where I think future happens and also really explore, you know, if, if I'm speaking about the future where access is more important than ownership and where we are, you know, on, on, on in that continuous transition, you know, I can't speak about it from ivory tower. I need to mm. put my body physically into the situations that I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess, you know, I've, I've crisscrossed so many different worlds. Um, and also as a researcher, my work really exists in that intersection between um, culture, politics, and technology. And not one of them is more important than the other. It's really about this area and this tension uh, where they overlap, interact, and sometimes conflict with each other. I was born in a country that doesn't exist anymore, uh, which is uh, Soviet Union. Um, so my life was really fundamentally marked um, by coming of age at a time um, of a collapse um, mm. of the dictatorial state, and specifically that physical wall that separated and closed us uh, from the rest of the world, and the opening up of the digital space. Uh, so I was born in a small uh, town in, in uh, what was Soviet Union, then became Lithuania, where, you know, I was always a black sheep. So from the moment where a uh, computer arrived to my house, digital networks was the only kind of thing that gave me access um, mm. to the potential of finding like-minded people wherever they were. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, it's, that's why I feel like my take on what social networks and digital technologies is, is really quite different uh, mm -hmm. to a lot of people coming from the Western world, upper middle class, you know, coming from these uh, urban metropolises where they had access to diversity and culture and information, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and then it becomes quite easy for them to speculate how, oh, like, well, it destroyed everything. Whereas for me, you know, without that, I'm not sure I would have survived. Right. Yeah, because it was yeah. really that early opening to show me that my immediate surroundings was not the only thing that it, that was out there. Mm -hmm. Right. Because I was definitely a black sheep 
in my sitting. Mm-hmm. You know, my, yeah, my ethnic yeah. background is not fully Lithuanian. I was definitely taunted and bullied. And, and so for me, uh, these, these digital spaces was really something that I latched on very, very early on. So would, would you say that the, the early part of your life, then you had a lot of dreaming or you were in the world of imagination and as you would, you would have these, this window Definitely. You know, I remember, um, and I think about it, uh, you know, how in my mid-20s, you know, I became a photographer, I became a creative director, I found a creative uh, agency and a magazine when I when I moved out of Paris. Um, I left home when I was 15, I moved to Paris when I was 17. I really kind of ran as far as I could from wherever that I was coming from. But what was interesting is when I quit that first or like the second part of my life, when I when I when I left Paris and somehow ended up in Hollywood and I started consulting on the first science fiction projects. And when VR entered in my life, when I put on the first headset, um, I was like, that, this is exactly where I was as a child. You know, when mm. I would go to watch the first movies, I always wanted to sit front row. I would always sit just like completely like, you know, next to the TV screen, because for me it was, I, I wanted to be in a different world than I was in. Mm-hmm. Right. And so naturally um, as a child, I started crafting and imagining these alternative realities and um, when I entered that space of immersive media and also story world design within science fiction context, um, you know, it, it was the most natural space to exist in because I felt like this is something I've been waiting for. Was there a, a shift that you went through at some stage where you went and placed more emphasis on the analog or, as you said, involving your, your body in the mix from from experiencing and focusing one's intention in the virtual future to the here and now. Have you gone through a process like that? I certainly have. I mean, I I think it's quite interesting because I've always existed between this space of being very, very physical and very, very digital, Mm. you know? So actually um, as, as a kid, I was, you know, because I was so much kind of in my head and I didn't really have, um, I had one best friend <laughs> mm-hmm. who's still my dear friend to this day. She's, 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 she's more than a friend. She's a sister to me. But beside that, I was a very solitary child. So I was, I was doing creative things from when I was very, very young. And uh, most notably, I um, resurfaced my father's, uh, I don't even know what you call it, the, the, like, you know, the, the machine for, like, ana- to, for analog photography when you want to make the prints. And I literally had like my mini analog photo lab in my toilet um, mm. when I was 12, right? Yeah. And at the same time, the the first digital cameras coming out, you know, whatever cheapest thing that I could afford with a phone, I was I was I started making digital images, right? So f- going from as a child printing my own photographic prints to then latching onto these digital things whenever they became available, um, and I think. You know, even today, the way I move through the world, you know, I connect with so many people digitally. I meet so many people on Twitter. Mm. You know, there's a lot of people that sort of appreciate my work and they follow me. And I'm like, oh my God, this person is doing amazing work. Let me just mm-hmm. DM them. Let's do something together. Yeah. And at the same time, I move through the world also very, very physically, mm-hmm. you know, and, and will meet people because um, I'm, I'm in a particular space um, and those encounters could only happen by being in that space. That's probably a template for the future, really. If you would look at it, that a pendulum has swung. We need that more than ever now. 
and, exactly. and there's That's like a there's a whole if you think about we're we're using we're talking to each other in these flat rectangles right now this is how we can communicate um i'm certainly a a, a big advocate of virtual reality and i i use virtual reality for recreation and and fun but there should be a greater ways for people to connect and have presence together and community together and the the hardware is there but the the software isn't and it could be well and and, <laughs> and collaborative you know any collaborative yeah. tool I mean, most collaborative tools are not there and especially you know what i'm i'm very again i'm very very passionate about edutainment mm-hmm. so education plus entertainment making educational content as exciting as a, as a video game, as a VR game, as a shooter game. Mm. Um, but, but do something that actually expands human potential rather than yeah. reduces it. And by yeah. expanding potential, I mean, creatively, I mean, intellectually, I mean, emotionally, I mean, physically, right. All of these. And, and so right now with this pandemic, this would have been a perfect time for the adoption mm-hmm. of these technologies, but because people focused on these gimmicky you know, shooter, horror, whatever based things, it's entirely irrelevant at this time. You know, specifically it was, it was the time I, I see Black Panther as a watershed moment, right? Mm. It really changed the game and entertainment industry. Yeah. But, you know, I was arguing for content like that, for, for, for visions that are not, you know, dystopian. I was being told that it's only in dystopia that you can tell a conflict and it's only dystopia that sells in science fiction. I was, mm. no, people actually are tired of these dark, gloomy visions of the future. People want to see something that is diverse, that is colorful, that is women-led, that is inspiring. And we can always imagine conflict in such a world because there will always be conflicts in the world, but we will actually be rooting more for that world and characters embodying that world, if we are inspired by them, if we care about them, yeah, you know, well, and, and you're a trailblazer. That, that hmm? You're you're a trailblazer fundamentally. So <laughs> and that yeah. discourse somehow was not hitting right until Black Panther came out, and mm-hmm. it made I think in the theaters it made one point four billion dollars, and then you know all of the streaming stuff and all the merchandising. It was a complete watershed moment, and now everybody wants more things like Black Panther. Yeah. Yeah. So a similar thing with the pandemic, you know, when the pandemic started and people were so surprised, I'm like, y'all are really not been reading scientist projections. <laughs> like, this was literally just a question of time when we're going to have another zoonotic disease that is going to spread, you mm-hmm. know, and it's a combination, obviously, of us destroying natural environment and then, you know, the viruses from other living creatures jumping into the humans, but it's also our weakened immunity. It's also sort of this very interconnected world. It's also incredibly unequal world. And so all the conditions for that were here. Meanwhile, our uh, sort of healthcare systems are being eroded. And so I was just so stunned when people, and I don't mean people, regular people, I mean, people in the industry mm-hmm. were surprised. Whereas, again, as a foresight practitioner, as a futurist, as a futurist researcher, I was like, this is everything that we've been trying to, you know, myself and, and some brilliant peers of mine, we were trying to say that we need to prevent this because mm-hmm. this was just the question of time. And so similarly, um, I guess so many other things that I'm speaking about right now, it still seems very far away uh, for people. But I think, unfortunately, it's going to come sooner than we think. So what is your uh, view on how things are going to unfold over the next five years? Do you see the erosion of of many systemic systems 
starting to accelerate and new premises coming through and new organizational systems and new power structures coming in, hopefully better ones um, or more relevant to the to the moment? Well, you know, to start with, and 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 that's it's a phrase that I include in in every talk of mine that there's no one future, only possible futures. Mm -hmm. And especially um, with a lot of other people in my field, a lot of other futurists, they go up on stage and they tell, this is where the future is going to be. This is where technology is going. You know, this is what technology wants. And it's like technology doesn't want anything. Technology is not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. We are making it go somewhere. We are designing it. We are using, so, you know, there was this brilliant introduction quote to, to the recent film um, by Adam Curtis, Can't Get You Out of My Head by David Graeber. Um, and um, I, I, I need to find the exact quote, but essentially it's about, you know, we are these historical agents. We are choosing these futures. And of course, um, people with different access to privilege have different degree of power of influencing history mm-hmm. right but nothing is inevitable certain things are more likely certain things are less likely mm-hmm. but it's our action and our inaction um, that decides where things are going to go so you know i can always speak about the possibility space that kind of possibility perimeter mm-hmm. um, within certain things are more likely certain things are less likely certain things are almost entirely improbable and then certain things based on our current understanding of culture politics science technology all of those things ecosystems for now that's entirely impossible Mm -hmm. right so i think it's more productive to speak about things in that way there's no boring futures fundamentally futures in one way or another are going to be radical and it is right now that we are choosing that path and you are seeing that everywhere I really, really like this phrase that it is very hard for people to see the future in which they are obsolete. Uh, and it's yes. that much harder for people that are very powerful mm. to see the future, not in which just their power is obsolete, but in which the entire worldview is obsolete. Mm. You know, and, and some, some of those folks that are very smart, they're like, I get it. The world is changing. So let me, move a bit away from a stage, you know, I will still be able to keep most of my money, most of my power, but I'm going to support. Um, Do you believe uh, that there will be a natural and organic progression to new paradigms? Or do you believe that more radicalized action is needed in order to break these systems or accelerate the degradation of these, these crumbling old structures? I think, you know, it's always a combination of mm-hmm. of all of it. At the same time, I know that real change doesn't happen without real mass movements and, 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 and deep grassroots organizing. However, you know, to say that we just should abolish everything, um, I think that is also not the way. You know, I really believe as much as I want to see a borderless world, Mm-hmm. Um, but nation states are important institutions, right? We we need 
functioning nation states that are in cooperation with the other, that see themselves as, as, as really as integral parts of, of, of humanity as a planetary civilization. But, you know, <laughs> young people, we're not just going to change things with slogans. They need to run for government. They need to become policymakers. They need to become leaders also of the larger corporate entities. Mm -hmm. right? They need to be, you know, large-scale Hollywood movies. People ask me, like, why, why would you ever want to work on these, on, on these sort of very mainstream Hollywood productions? And my answer is because, well, you know, they reach billions of people. Mm -hmm. Right. At the same time, we can't just count on that. You know, we need to do amazing indie sort of underground projects where we can test and create a lot of new things. And I think Protopia is very much Protopia Futures is that project where we like we're working with a lot of young digital artists and, and, and visual artists and musical artists and writers to explore these really new things. But it's very important for me to continue working also on large-scale film, film projects and with large technology companies and, and scientific research institutions and educational institutions because it's about combining all these strategies, right? And I think real lasting change happens if, if, if we move you know, in that shared direction but through multiplicity of strategies. If you're just focused on destroying you'll create a vacuum of power that will become occupied by something even more dangerous, even more toxic mm, than what yeah. we have today. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, one thing that I ask all of the Radical Strategies guests is to put forward what, what their final thought is or what their Radical Strategy is, their, their final piece of advice to the people that are watching this. What would you say your, your Radical Strategy of the day is? as we try and make sense of where we are right now? I think that all of us have agency mm -hmm. and agency is immense privilege. And so with whatever that we do, we can change the world. And with whatever that we choose to not do or not engage with, we also change the world, <laughs> you know, because apathy also, you know, allows the worst things to happen. So I feel that in, 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 in whatever that we are doing, Whatever is our professional sphere, whatever is our personal sphere, every day we make choices. You know, we make choices who we amplify in social media. We make choices what books we reach, which influence our understanding of the world. Mm -hmm. We make choices who we smile to on a street. We make choices who we tip. We make choices who we hire. We make choices, you know, whose products we buy. We make choices. We make choices, we make choices, we make choices. Every choice can be a life-changing choice. And I know that myself, I am where I am only because there were people that stood by me. It all started with my geography teacher when I was a teenager. Mm -hmm. And I was this, again, fucked up, weird kid. And the way she was teaching us, and mind you, she was a woman that... She was born behind an iron curtain. She could have never dreamed to travel to faraway places like India or Japan or whatever. This world wasn't accessible to us. But the way she spoke about them, it evoked my curiosity. Mm. And it birthed that desire in me to not just see the world, to understand the world. Mm. 
to be part of that world. And I think when you try to understand anything, it's it's never passive, right? It's 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 about doing things, about engaging things, about collaborating, it's about building friendships, it's about building these bridges. It's about changing people's prejudices, right? And so for me, it started with that, you know, and so many people along the way were there for me in, in again, many different ways. Sometimes, sometimes it wasn't buying me a meal mm-hmm. when I was, you know, eating rice the whole week, you know, and sometimes it was giving me advice and sometimes it was calling me out on my bias, right? Yeah. And so for me, that's what I want to do. With every single thing that I do, I want to show up to people that showed up for me, but also to people that maybe nobody else will show up to. And all of us can do that. That's very true. Right? And I think it's really about showing up with everything that you do. From, (laughs) you know, you going to buy your groceries and making these choices consciously to the people that you amplify, even if your Instagram audience is 100 or 50, to the choices that you make in your work, right? Who you ally with, who you support, who you promote, whom you give a raise, you know, whom you give a chance, who you mentor. And sometimes, especially for younger people, it's also about having courage to reach out. And you'll That's be true. told no so many times. I've been told no so many times. <laughs> and so many times I thought that I've given up, but I gave it another try. And it's by doing that that we are changing the world. Wow. <laughs> so for me, it's, it's really that, you know, it's about... <laughs> You know, it's about challenging, challenging ourselves, mm. you know, challenge, whenever we feel too comfortable, whenever the books that we read just confirm what we know, mm. then we need to search harder what we need to read. Yeah. Whenever our friends are telling that we are so brilliant and amazing, whatever, we need to find friends that will tell us, nah, you don't know this shit. Yeah. What are you talking yeah. about? That's very true. You should know better. <laughs> you know what <laughs> I mean? It's really about putting ourselves in places and situations that we feel that we can grow and that we can support the growth of others. And it's never just, you know, it's not about opening the doors for ourselves because this is a long journey. Whatever that we're doing, it's not going to change over generation. It's about opening doors, whatever you're creating, whatever I'm trying to do with Protopia. At the end of the day, I know I can't, I can't make this a thing by myself. It's about inspiring so many other people to go and do and imagine their protopian worlds. You know, Ab- so you absolutely. only, I mean, and, and that's an, I think Alejandro Casio Cortez said that in one of her interviews says, you know, I'm, I'm really here to open the door so that others could walk through them. And I think that's what we all can do. We can open some doors so that others could walk through them because it doesn't stop with us. Amazing. And this is what we must do. And on that note, I think we're going to end our conversation. But thank you so much, Monica. Um, thank you, Ryan. Amazing. I think I'll definitely be rewatching this this uh, conversation many times over. So many, so many. <laughs> well, and you've viewpoints been that person said. to me, and Errolson has been that person to me, and even with Protopia. I mean, some of these first projects they happen because of you. You know what I mean? So. 
give yourself some kudos as well. You yeah. know what I mean? Oh, oh yeah, it's y'all, definitely. It's... Y'all been there for me. Y'all been there for me. Absolutely. You've been there for yeah. me. Errolson has been there for me, and we've been here for each other. So you know what I mean? There's that mutual exchange, and that's why it's real. That's why it's not just another job. That's why it's not another just another podcast episode. That's why it is a friendship. That's why it's a family that's why it is a community and that's why it matters and that's why we smile and that's why we care and that's why you know that's what makes life worth living and you're doing that absolutely i i try <laughs> and uh i i you know i do feel like I, i'm in a place where i can contribute and uh and share um which is part of the theme right now that's why we're here <laughs> but thank you very much monica um Amazing to to connect, and uh, hopefully we'll get to see you this year in real life. 